This is exactly right. what the fucking Pope feels like. Yes. This is nuts. Welcome to our first daytime show. <laughs> it's like being at a festival. <laughs> and our first uh, church show. It's our first church show, that's right. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to burst into flames at any minute. Same, girl. Same. <laughs> I think I might burst into flames faster because I was supposed to be going to this place for like the past 30 years and I just dipped out. Yeah. They haven't, know. Haven't shown up. Who's they? They know, whoever they is. You know. Jesus and his dad? That guy. Yeah. They know. Those two know. <laughs> How's it going, you guys? This is so exciting. We're really excited to be here. We, we like this place, and we drove by the Hacienda today. Yeah. It's now a, ho a hotel or apartments? Yeah, apartments. So it's not as drug-fueled. We don't sucks. know that, we though. Don't know we that. don't know that. That's true. If you can afford those apartments, I bet you can get some drugs. Uh -oh. Am I right? Get yourself some weekend drugs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> we usually don't have to look into everybody's face. I know. <laughs> it's definitely weird. Um, let's play a quick uh, recital on our organ. Okay. All right. Jesus, yep. light of all the world, oh, lovely child of flesh. Be quiet. There it was. I can't, I actually... The guilt, the Catholic guilt is so strong that I'm like, are you seriously sarcastically singing a hymn in a fucking church? Are you out of your mind? You're doubling down on that hell shit <laughs> right now. That's, that's how you do it. Um, we've been traveling through Europe for fucking a, months. For a week. <laughs> it's, it's been quite some time based on the smell of the dress I'm oh wearing right God. now. Oh my God. You guys are lucky you're down there because the smell is happening. Oh, it's like my, at this point, because also my um, deodorant broke when oh, we were right. in Stockholm. <laughs> and I just didn't make the time to get more. So. Did it break or did it just quit? It was like, it was I'm like, out of here. I can't go under those armpits anymore. Please <laughs> leave me out of this problem. Um, so when I put the dress on tonight, I was like, this smells like four cats peed on it. <laughs> four angry cats. Angry cat piss is the worst thing. It smell. really is. When they're happy, it's different. It it's is. kind of a nice light. It's like light. pheromones it's fun. and shit. Angry, it's like acid. It's yeah. like, 
cat acid on your <laughs> armpits. You can so anyway. get that at the Hacienda, actually. What's that? Cat acid? You oh, yeah. That That's the good shit. Oh, just, I don't know what the rules are actually here, but this is probably the worst angle you could take a picture of us from. So oh, just yeah. Be we, kind. Be kind. No photos allowed. You guys are great. <laughs> really? You're ideal. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. This side is my best, so you guys highly encouraged. You guys, no. No. <laughs> No Absolutely. flank pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. No yeah. flanks. Oh, Is so it weird anyway, that we're just on the wrong side. Yeah, it's fucking freaking me out. I man. don't know why we did that. I we don't walked either. out and landed. Let's go ahead right. and take a walk in there. You don't usually. Oh. Say that. Now I can be funny. There we go. Oh my god, hi. I know, right? Finally. And then they're there, <laughs> and we're all in fucking church together. <laughs> the fuck? And now we sell you Amway. This is so. <laughs> Weird and afternoony. It is. And this place is haunted from what we've heard. That's right. It used to be, get this, a church. <laughs> I know, right? But right. then it was a bar. And then that's why it's haunted is the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of all the regret. <laughs> so many corners that got barfed in. Oh, no. Angry ghosts barfs. <laughs> Ghosts are bad enough, but when it's the ghost of old barf, it's so... What? What do you have to say? That's true. That's it. That's... See? And that's what you call improv. She yes-handed me. <laughs> what I was saying was stupid bullshit, and she yes-handed me anyway. Listen, get someone as your hype man, no matter what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> that's right. And you'll just always sound smart. <laughs> get your bez. Get your bez. Your what? Oh, yeah, I get it. Sorry, I, I was pandering. They yeah. absolutely were not having it whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like, no. Shit, tough crowd. They're nope. a bunch of Christians. Tough, tough crowd in the daytime. <laughs> Do you think anyone in here actually was like, oh, it's church. Everyone's going. I'm going to go. And they're sitting here and they're like, when does church start? Why is there a Jewish person on stage? <laughs> we usually don't allow those in churches. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be great because... My mom, Janet. Oh, it's Mother's Day back home. Oh, yeah, in America. Yeah, no, it's fine. exactly. That's uh, exactly right. You it's nailed. It's just a really the... bummer day for anyone who doesn't have their mom around, doesn't like their mom. Uh, you know, many other things. Yeah, it's just a day for people to put hot photos of their mom from when they were younger on Instagram to prove that they are going to be hot when they're older too. Right. Right. Or that their window of hotness has passed. Oh yeah. Right. Or like when you're like, oh, I see the fe your features in your mom's face, but your mom, but she, but your dad probably isn't that hot. Your dad fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're really been wrong. The gene pool shouldn't have. Clearly, your dad has a great fucking personality. <laughs> so, congratulations on that as well. Um, and oh, she said to me, she called me before I left for this trip because we never talk. But when I'm gonna leave somewhere, in case I die, she has to say I love you like the day before. <laughs> And she said to me, are you going to France? And I was like, no, mom, we're not going to France. She's like, okay, well, if you do, which we're not. She can't go me. off track. She, yeah. can't, she can't improv. No, she's like, I had a fucking point to tell you, and it was, <laughs> it was fucking political, and here it is. Yeah. Don't wear a Jewish star when you go to, when you go to France, when you inevitably go to France. And, I'm and like, George well, is like, well, there's go all my outfits. <laughs> and now I just, everything I've planned is out the fucking window. And you know it was political, but I couldn't come back and be like, fuck 
Trump sucks. She, it's like doesn't really go yeah. that way, right. but it does. But now when I tell her I'm doing a fucking show in a church, <laughs> oh man, she's going to be pissed and I love it. You're going to be like, mom, I took off my Jewish star like you said, and then I, then I got baptized in Manchester. Yeah. And can, yeah. holy be to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? I mean. They're not that bad, mom. They're cool guys. <laughs> They're cool people. Um, and she asked me for a vase. You know when you're traveling and the thing you want to pack is a fucking vase? <laughs> I asked her if she wanted anything because I'm obsessed with all your pharmacies and like I bought, you guys sell codeine over the counter? Yeah, yeah, yes. That's a fun Friday night in, yeah. just fucking sipping some cough syrup and... <laughs> Listen, don't do drugs, but sometimes my fucking back hurts. Yeah. And regular Tylenol isn't going to cut it. Sometimes you're just bored. <laughs> There's lots of reasons. Yeah. How are you? How are you? So how's your... So you went ahead and packed a vase? So I went and bought a vase for her because she is my mom. She controls you. <laughs> I haven't had enough therapy yet to get over her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Oh, I have pockets in my dress, oh, yeah. by the way. Thank you. Tell them the story of this fine dress. <laughs> when I bought it? No. The, oh. the part about your tits. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> uh, well, well, so I got this dress for our uh, Los Angeles show that, that we posted the other day. And, uh, oh, thanks. Did you like it? And um, <laughs> those were the ghosts. And <laughs> it's barf. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when I wore it in Los Angeles, when I first put it on, I was like, whoa, that's very plunging neckline. Uh, and then all, all the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost showed up and they were like, you better cover that fucking up right now. <laughs> you will burn. So in Los Angeles, I wore a slip with it. When we got here our first night in Dublin, um, right? It was pretty fun. It was a good we, uh, right. I pull, I opened up my suitcase. I forgot to bring my slip. And then I was just like, oh, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> At this point... I just turned 48. These aren't going to get any higher. <laughs> I might as well show them off while they're still up here yeah. in some way. I so. agree. Let's get those podcast numbers up. Let's get um, sex sells, everybody. So Tits up, podcast numbers up. It's, it works that way. It's our new Elvis is out. Two tits are in. I'm sorry. Two, Wait, two disembodied. What? what? No, I'm just saying. For 2019, I'm just saying. Oh, no. It's a pitch. <laughs> we we have to have say, a mascot. Why not my two now. Okay. disembodied breasts? Sure. Okay. Elvis will retire or he'll move to the broadcast. <laughs> Should we sit down? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Oh. This is going to be hard not to fucking flash you guys. Do you think Oasis ever sat in these chairs? Oasis sat in these chairs I bet for they sure. They did. And these they said, were... get us different chairs. <laughs> they said, separate these chairs immediately. We saw that Super Hands is going to be here soon. Oh, my God. He's playing. Everyone looks shocked. Or is did he, he already play? I don't know. Or did he do something scandalous and we're not supposed to talk? Oh, he's good. Okay. Okay. Woo. He's good. Because that just keeps fucking happening. Happening. Everyone's a pedophile. <laughs> oh, I can't say that word in here, huh? Allegedly. 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 No, I think this is the place to say it the most, actually. <laughs> if we're going to be on it, look... 
We're gonna be honest, which is what we're all about. <laughs> Let's get honest. Um, and we go into our pedophile chunk. Get ready. <laughs> we got a tight eight up top about pedophiles. It's not funny, it's more like a lesson. <laughs> You'll learn something. <laughs> It gets weird. It gets by, happy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Please I just do. wanted to say this is the podcast, oh. My Favorite Murder, by the way. Speaking of. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The daytime podcast. The daytime. This is just, we just don't want any vampires to come. We knew that we were going to be in a church. We're in Manchester. It's an old fucking town. For every single person in this room, this is normal nighttime. And they're just like, why can't they fucking get over it? <laughs> The sun doesn't set very quickly here. Yeah. We're real used to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big deal, Americans. But it is when you're sitting in front of all these people. It is. It's so much easier when it's all dark and you're it like, oh, is. they're just one big noise. But yeah. Like I can see what you're wearing over there. Yeah. I can see and what I you're all wearing. You're all naked. I can see that your arms are crossed, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> such negative body language yeah. from if you. You're not a, like, if you're not a <laughs> laugher or a motor, you're going to need to do it tonight because we need it. Otherwise, this is going to go poorly. In we fact, feed off of you. When you laugh, it would that be great. That happen again. <laughs> that sounded a lot like a laughing, though. Actually, it did. That would work. When you laugh, if you could do like jazz hands. Just <laughs> uh -huh. like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Please don't. That would be so weird. <laughs> If you're new to this, this podcast and someone just dragged you along because you were not busy during the day, oh. apologies. So sorry. Oh, that's why you look like that. You're just like... <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll win you over. What is this You're the cult? only one. It's <laughs> like, I didn't want to join a cult. <laughs> I said I wanted to go to the movies. <laughs> it's kind of like a movie. You'll love it. It's great. Don't worry about it. It is like a movie. It's a, this is a true crime comedy mm -hmm. podcast, which isn't the most ideal combination no. in certain places. Try telling that to your cab driver. That's right. Or your customs agent when you're fucking <laughs> crossing the border. Dude, we didn't even think about it. And then when we landed in Ireland, yeah. we had to get to customs. And then the guy says, what is the purpose of your visit here? And then we're like, well, we're here to podcast. And then he's like, what's the name of your podcast? I thought we were going to get arrested because he <laughs> didn't know what podcasting was. <laughs> Maybe. So then Georgia tells him the name of the podcast. And instead of being like offended or grossed out or calling the manager yeah, or whatever would happen. button. Okay. He goes, all right. There was an American girl come through here. Through here. I can't do the accent to you. Sorry. You're doing it. You're so doing it. I can do the accent in America, and I think I'm all good at it. And then here, I just like, I'm already flop sweating this accent so hard. <laughs> I have never, I've never heard you like back out of it so many times I know. on this trip. It's fucking true. I'm I think very intimidated by uh, all of Great Britain. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just love your television so much. I know. This I is like amazing fucking, for you. I subscribe to fucking Acorn. That's how much I love British TV. That's American app for. <laughs> they didn't like it. I should have said BBC America. Shit. I should have said BBC America. Um, we yeah, and he said. Oh, so uh, instead of having any kind of a native negative reaction, he goes, "Oh yeah, Amer an American girl come through here on Friday. She told me all about it." <laughs> and then last night. That you hear a yell from the audience, don't do it, but <laughs> we hear, she's right here! She's right here! 
That's our sister, grassroots <laughs> campaigning for us all Heck across. Yeah. Then we invited him to the podcast and he couldn't come, or the show and he couldn't come. He couldn't he come. He couldn't or wouldn't. And he called his manager. <laughs> um, I'm nervous because I don't remember where we put our murders. Is this one mine or is this oh. one yours? But oh, we right. Look. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm going to look at the look last at page because I won't know. Um, nope. Wait. Yes. Now I can't remember. How many pages long is this? Is the name Higginbottom in yours? No. Okay. Then this one's mine. <laughs> then this one's mine. <laughs> what if there was a Higginbottom in each of our murders tonight? That'd be so fucking nuts. Da, 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 da. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. I, remember, I, remember. I added it. Higginbottom, Mr. Higginbottom, last minute. It's fine. <laughs> He's not a big part of the story. <laughs> I didn't ruin it. I'm mopping it. My water up that I spit everywhere with this. He's not a key player. Not. That's why I didn't know my own story. It's fine. Everyone's fine. This is the horrifying tale of Dale Higginbottom. <laughs> no, it's never happened. Um, yay. Yay. Yeah. I think so. I think we're. Should we do our murders? I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. I would just like to say this. Normally, when we <laughs> record this podcast, it's me and Georgia uh -huh. and Steven! What if he just started playing the organ from <laughs> somewhere and he like flew in? <laughs> He's a vampire organ player? Wow. That's the best kept secret in podcasting. Steven's a vampire. <laughs> oh my God, I can see it. <laughs> It's always the le your least expected, most mustachioed friends. Yep. You can't trust a millennial. They're always <laughs> vampires. They're always vampires. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, so, yeah, instead of, like, normally, it's us, some cats, a couch, recording in a quiet loft in Georgia's apartment. Mm -hmm. Unless now someone's it's... playing tennis outside, in which case we're like, fuck, what do we do? Right. But now it's uh, noon. Um... <laughs> In a fucking church. On a fucking Sunday. <laughs> and everyone's eyes look three times bigger than they actually are because we can see your faces. All of your... I can see the entire... I've never wished for, like, poor vision before in my life. Yeah. I actually have very poor vision, but it came into very clear view all of a sudden. <laughs> like, now... It's like I'm an owl. I'm in a panic owl situation where I'm yeah. just like, oh, no. <laughs> Thank you for uncrossing your arms. That's really nice of you. She did it. She did it. She wanted to show that she cared about me. Yeah. All you got to do is pick on someone in front of another <laughs> couple hundred people and That's they'll right. do whatever you tell them to do. Some on-mic bullying will get people to put their arms wherever you fucking ask them to. Um, we actually would ask my dad, if you're one of these people, my father watches TV like this. <laughs> like I don't an, know like why. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 goodbye angry at the tv like he's angry at the fucking mcneil lair news hour or whatever the hell he watches and it's in a different language and he's trying to understand it even though he doesn't know it <laughs> it's yeah so if you're a rage watcher if you have like <laughs> rage face as you watch things just try to soften those features tonight do what you can have a couple extra beers on us i, I mean from us i mean <laughs> near us about us around toward us right um, but I can also see the two empty seats over there. And when those motherfuckers come oh. in here, ooh, they're going to get it. Because I can see, I'm going to see everything. Their tattoos, they're, they're, they've been crying because they're fighting on their way over here, which is why they're late. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of what a great prank would be if they walked in and sat down and then all of us did something we together. yell bottom at the same <laughs> time. But don't yell it until their, their butts hit the seats. They're like, sneak in real quiet. Then all we right. all scream bottom, but you have to remember to do it. <laughs> Only four people do it. All right. <laughs> pick, pick yourselves. Pick which more. <laughs> I go first tonight, right? You do, yes. Okay. Karen went first last night. This is how this goes. And so I go first tonight. Can I just tell you? Yeah. I made a grave error last night. <laughs> I decided. <laughs> Wait, let's, let's have the So stage. you were at the show. Oh. Um, they're, they're nodding. Um, London. Huge fucking theater. Humongous theater. And I did Jack the Ripper. And as I was... <laughs> 
talking, I was just like, everyone in this audience knows this murder so much better than me. And they're mentally correcting me. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you did great, they said. You can't lie in church. <laughs> Sorry, I was not fishing for compliments, but... No, um, that was actually hilarious because they were also trying to do it like not hecklers. They were just like... Yeah. Manchester Sign Language, thank you. Actually, from, my, from here, I was thought you were like this. Fuck off. <laughs> you fucked it up. Let it go. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, this, I love it. I, um, also, I want to say this, but then I'm afraid I'm going to tip yours, but... Don't you... While we were on stage last night... There. The famous serial killer, oh, Dennis yeah. Nelson, died. <laughs> while we were on stage. Yeah. I think the power of murder, our, our family... Yes. Killed him. Of our family discussion about murder killed that man. Yeah. There were people rolling up into that VIP meet and greet like, we have what the best that? news for you. It <laughs> was pretty great. It was so awesome. Okay, sorry. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Feel free to stop me at any time. Okay. If you think of anything. Oh, thank you so much. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to tell you the story of the first woman executed at Manchester Strangeways Prison, Marianne Britland. Oh. That a was bad a, lady. That was a mouthful. Their friend guessed it, huh? Or is, she, is her ghost over there? Strange Ways is right over there? I think I, I, think I mentioned her. Don't... Shh, 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 shh. What? No. You two are in trouble. You're sitting in those seats. In the dark, people can gesture yeah. all they want. We have no idea that they're doing it. Um, <laughs> Stop pointing over there. <laughs> I, see, I see everything about you. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell you guys the story of this girl's great, great, great aunt. What? Good. Um, so, I'm going to tell you. How okay. About. Mary yeah. Ann Britland was born in 1847 in Bolton, Lancashire. Oh. <laughs> Lancashire. Lancashire. She, at the age of 19, she marries a dude named Thomas Britland. They, he's a domestic servant. They live in a small house on Turner Lane in uh, Ashton under Line. Okay. Great. <laughs> That's the mayor. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here tonight. So they have two daughters named Elizabeth, Hannah, and Susanna. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's three names, though. So. I know. I know. Elizabeth Hannah's the first daughter. Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. She hates her name. <laughs> By the time Mary Ann's children are in their teens, she's in their late 30s, she's got two jobs, working all day in a factory, and then she works at night in, as a barmaid in the local pub house. So probably not the fucking coolest life ever, right? No. You know, and her feet hurt. Her feet are killing her. Yeah. She's tired, but she also sucks because... Oh. Um, <laughs> Everything began in, for this story on February, in, in February of 1886. She, Mary notices that her family home has been infested with mice. So she did what any person in the 1800s would do at that time and went to the town chemist and bought a shit ton of rat poison. Oh. Or mice poison. I don't know. Is there a difference? <laughs> it just comes in a little bottle. Cute. Mice poison. Specifically, she bought a packet of Harrison's Vermin Killer. That's what it was called. And I, I like the name which contained both strychnine and arsenic. 
great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really already on to like the we know that you're poisoning each other game because they had um, a poison register to be like, we, we know. So poisoning got so popular by this time. I think so. That they were like... It was like oh. a wedding registry, but poison. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck. You say you have rats, eh? <laughs> All right, Mr. Higginbotham. <laughs> So, and she signed her real name, which I'm sure, like, they didn't ask for ID back then, right? So, that probably <laughs> meant that she didn't have any intention of killing anyone, one would think. But at some point during the next month, she was like, wait a minute, I hate some people. <laughs> uh, let's, and more than mice, let's see what can happen. Um, so, on, in March 1886, uh, our friend Elizabeth Hannah She's the eldest daughter, she's 19 years old, and she dies unexpectedly. The cause of death is given as natural causes, as most 19-year-olds fucking Ooh. do. Well, although it was back when I know. you had to work all day and night. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and <laughs> That's historical knowledge right there for you. <laughs> Ask me anything, AMA, <laughs> about the past. <laughs> And um, Mary Ann claims the 10-pound life insurance on Elizabeth's life. That would be 900 pounds today, or for you, Karen, $1,000. Ooh, a th- I, now I understand, $1,000. Yeah. So, not a ton of money. Um, Mary must have been like, this is fucking great. I'm going to do this again, because two months later, on March 3rd, 1886, Mary goes and pays the premium. She, she doesn't seem very smart. Sorry, no offense to your family line. <laughs> yeah. She goes and pays the premium on her husband's insurance and like on her way home basically is like, I'm going to fucking kill him because like within a couple days, he's dead. Thomas Britland, he's 44. He's found dead. He's diagnosed with, his death is diagnosed as epilepsy. And again, she claims the 10 pound insurance on him. Um, as an epileptic, you, can you die of epilepsy? You can, but it's... I was told you can't. <laughs> well, someone lied to you. I'm kind of holding on to that, you know, pretty tightly. Well, it said, don't worry. It says only really happens when children and old people. So it's... <laughs> I just only. turned 48. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess 44 is pretty old back then, probably, right? Yeah, they were pretty, like, he died of old age. Yeah. Back then, it was like, Jesus, that guy made it to 44. <laughs> right. Um, and then now the, the neighbors are like, hold up, there's something going on, and they do what they do. What neighbors do is they start gossiping. Yeah. Of course they do. Because they're like, two deaths in two months, that seems weird. It does, though. It does seem weird. They're right to gossip. They are, and it turns out that Mary had been having an affair with her neighbor. His, I know. <laughs> you guys don't have that here? <laughs> Ooh, it's like, this is what we came for. The they were stuff. smooching. <laughs> they were totally Frenching under the stairs. Here, can I do this? Mm. Thank you. That's how the neighbors were gossiping in the street. <laughs> she goes like this, and he goes like this. <laughs> okay. So, that was the wrong... All right. But, but, but. That got dirty fast. Yeah. His name, the dude she's hooking up with is also named Thomas, because every guy back then was named Thomas, I guess. Um, It's easier. It is. They're mostly meeting clandestinely at night, and Mary works in a pub at night, so it's not that weird that she's, like, you know, gone all night. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, I'm I'm sorry, I have to run back to the makeout room really quick. I'll be right (laughs) back. Oh, shit. I meant the... Okay. So their secret love affair 
is threatened when the now deceased daughter, Elizabeth Hanna, she had turned 18 so she could go to the pubs and shit and that maybe she was fucking catching them hooking up and like not happy about it. So they were trying to be more discreet, but a few times she was sure that Elizabeth had seen them together. Um, And so she was thinking that Elizabeth was going to tell her father. So she did the only thing she could think of doing and she killed her daughter. (laughs) It's not a solution. No. No. I mean, it is, but it's not the best one. (laughs) Okay, you're right. Yeah. It's one option, but there's so many others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then she's like, well, I also hate sneaking around behind my husband's back, so I'm going to kill him. So that's what happened. That's why they're dead. That's the problem with easy solutions like that. Then you just keep going back to the same thing over and over. Like as, like for instance, oh, the only thing left in Mary's way is her lover Thomas's 29-year-old wife. Oh, shit. Also named Mary. So Thomas <laughs> and Mary live across the street from Thomas and Mary, and Mary is hooking up with Mary's husband, Thomas. How do those gossips keep track of what they're saying? <laughs> I don't know. Like, let's get original, people. That's when all the nickname stuff started. And then mm, they're just yeah. like, Tommy. rhyme their name with some weird thing. Yeah. Remember last night, my nickname that I made up? What that everyone it? booed? Uh, it was you bad. remember? It was bad. I'm not telling you guys. Tell them. No! They won't react that way because they'll know that, we're, that it scared us and upset us. We were joking around and making up dumb uh, nicknames based on what your like, husband's job is. One of the victims of Jack the Ripper was... Oh, Civvy. ...lived with a guy that made wire sieves, so they <laughs> called her... Uh, Mary Civvy or Annie Civvy. Something just horrible. So then Georgia's like, well, what if uh, my nickname is based on Vince, who's our tour manager, so she called herself Georgia Tory. But not (laughs) like that. (laughs) I know. Don't boo me. We told you not to boo us. We can see your faces making the boo face. (laughs) It's twice as bad as normal booing. Daytime booing is the worst booing. Oh, my God. Ugh. Um, so Mary, the 20, the young wife, Mary is like, oh my God, I feel so bad for the other Mary, for all the people dying in her family. And she's like older murderer, Mary, come live, (laughs) come stay with us and we'll take care of you for a couple of weeks while you grieve. No. Yes. That was her idea? Yeah. Oh, Um, Mary. She's like, I know, honey. So a couple of weeks after, uh, Thomas's death, uh, killer Mary, no, no, no. Young Mary is like, killer Mary, come over. Like, Thomas is going to be gone. Come over, let's hang out. We'll have some rosé. We'll, like, sing into hairbrushes. You we'll know? gossip about the other people on the street, yeah. how much they gossip. And they didn't tell me anything, and it really would have helped me out if they had told me what was going on. So they make dinner and everything. Uh-oh. And, a, and then, um, then they part ways, and uh, the following morning, May 14th, 1886, Thomas comes home, the live Thomas comes home around 10 a.m. and he <laughs> finds his wife. We'll, we'll assume that people come home, uh, if they come yes. home, they're living. Yes. Okay. From yes. now on in this story. I don't know, man. Didn't you, didn't Jesus just come back a couple oh, days come ago? Come on, here in here. <laughs> didn't your bro come back? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, living Thomas comes home. Comes home, finds his wife sick and dying. Oh, no. She dies. <laughs> Sorry. I know. It sucks. Um, so Mary was like, great. Now that the other Mary's gone, I can 
Tom, the other Thomas is going to be like stoked and come marry me. I'm so excited about this. Um, Tom, Alive Thomas gets 29 uh, pounds from the death of his wife. And uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to hang out right here and wait for him to come marry me. <laughs> and instead the fucking police come. Because um, the neighbors are like, okay, wait a minute. This is no coincidence. This is bad for our street. Yeah, yeah. People just keep dying right. of rat poison. Over on Thomas, is it Thomas Street? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Thomas and Mary Lane. <laughs> Turner Lane in Ashton under line. Right. Okay. Da -da 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 -da. Symptoms nearest. Okay. So they're like, this is crazy. Let's call the cops. The cops are like, great. Let's fucking exhume the bodies, which they do. And then, um, is, is your name Lindsay? Yeah, is that your name? Okay, in her email, <laughs> she says, my favorite thing about this whole case was in a Times article my mom found about the trial where the pathologist gave details to the court about how he tested the victim's stomach contents by tasting them. No. <laughs> Thank you. Like, that was my favorite part. Wait, what if... Isn't it crazy that she's up there? <laughs> but what if that's just gossip? It's the best gossip. It runs in her family. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mary doesn't gossip. She kills people. Oh. You, everyone else here gossips. <laughs> right? Now they're mad. <laughs> no. They've been mad for a long time. <laughs> At me. Tasting stomach contents. Uh -huh. All right. And he's like, that tastes like lethal amounts of strychnine and arsenic. <laughs> it's just like a bowl of roasted almonds in there. <laughs> Can you? Oh, gross. Gross. Um, so Mary Britland and Thomas Dixon are... Yep, are brought into in for questioning. It's said that Mary confesses immediately, but it sounds weird because later she denies it. And uh, she said that she murdered her daughter because she thought her daughter suspected her of having an affair. Then she killed her husband. Then Mary, like for the reasons I just told you. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, okay. The trial starts, and it's just only against Mary Dixon's murder because I think they just would pick one and do it that's they could only taste one stomach content full of <laughs> yeah the know. doctor died when he tried to find out who, what the other person died of he died of being grossed out <laughs> um and pretty quickly this dude thomas is acquitted they don't think he had anything to do with it at all which some people in history are like i'm sorry that doesn't seem right yeah you know and um, let's see. So Susanna Britland, the, the younger daughter, testifies against her mom emotionally. She said she had heard Mr. Dixon say that he wished he had a wife like Mary, which he did have a wife named Mary. <laughs> what more do you want? I mean, they can't have been that different. Um, <laughs> right? Is that how that works? He is a type, but then when he goes to have an affair, it's just some, some person that he's just not attracted yeah. to in any way. Um, and let's see. And she also says that she had heard her dad pissed off that this dude, the neighbor Thomas, used to come over all the time. So she was like, they were probably fucking. Right in court, she said it? Uh-huh. In the eight, can you believe it? And she said she knew there were mice in the house, but she didn't know anything about the purchase of any mouse powder. So I don't know what that means. In the but, and her mom didn't come and be like, I've, I've taken care of everything with my... Right. The thing I'm only going to use for one reason. That's right. And none other. So in the end, there's insufficient evidence that Dixon had anything to do with it, and he's acquitted, but they find Mary guilty on all charges, and she's sentenced to be hanged. And she says, I am 
quite innocent. I am not guilty at all. But apparently, she actually fucking loses her shit when she, like, she just kind of breaks down. And part of the reason, I think, and I, I read it somewhere else, that she just, like, wouldn't, it was th- only three weeks until they hanged her. Wow. And she w- wouldn't eat, and she was just screaming and praying. But apparently, her prison cell was just a, like right there from the gallows so she just hung out and stared for three fucking weeks at the place she was going to be hanging i bet they did that on purpose i think so too yeah. and they said it was in the like men's prison area because they'd never hanged a woman before so i'm sure it wasn't fun there oh god those other prisoners hated her guts yep, yep. like um, shut up <laughs> So Marianne Britland was hanged three weeks later at Strangeways Prison on August 9th, 1886. She had to be forcibly carried to the gallows and held over the trap door. Aye. And they like had a, she like couldn't stand or anything. So they just, boop. I know. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. They should have said, they should have been like, oh no, you're, you're just going to come over here really quick for a, t- yeah. a pint. It'll be fun. Just... Just follow me, use your legs. Who among us wouldn't be losing our (laughs) shit? Uh, And she said, her last words were, Lord, forgive me, I must have been mad. So that kind of seems like, you know, I keep hitting myself in the face with this microphone. (laughs) And since I can see everything you're saying and doing, you can probably see that I'm doing that. (laughs) Okay, and then there's a chick named Cassie Britland, she, has, she started a blog called Archives and Arsenic because she was uh, at a journalism school in Sydney, Australia, and they were like, look up your family and write some shit about your family. And she was like, okay. And then she was like, oh, shit, this person was my like, great-great-aunt or whatever. So you have a cousin in, in fucking Sydney. Um, so she's like researching it. She like came here and went to all the spots and took photos and she's writing a book about it. She hasn't updated her blog since 2017, so I hope she's okay. But I get it, man, those blogs. They're hard to they keep up with. They just never end. That's Mm-mm. the thing about blogs. They don't. There's no end to them. Uh, she says, so then she was like, I, she's trying to find out what happened for real, what happened to this daughter, Susanna. Uh, and so she looked her up. She found that she had married a man named James Higginbottom. Ah, oh, there he is. There he is. Whitworth is his last name. Wow. Sorry. In 1896, and that, then he had died 10 years later. So Susanna hadn't had any children and she was widowed. And then she was like, I couldn't find any more information about her. There was a 2011 census and she wasn't counted in it. And then she did, but she... She did, so she did all this research, and it turns out here in 2011, nope, 1911. I was going to say. She's a vampire. <laughs> you were going to say, I wish you had, because I could have just kept going. <laughs> so but, in 1911. But I was the one that called Whitechapel White Castle last right. night. So who am I to say, really? Who am I to say what year anything is or what the name of anything is? So it turns out that here in Manchester in 1911, all the suffragists were like, yeah, we can't vote, then you can't fucking count us. And they hid during the (laughs) census and wouldn't allow anyone to count them. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. So there's like no record of all these women during that time. And since she was a widow with no children, she didn't have a husband to be like, like I guess a lot of the husbands turned their wives in and made them do it. Wow. Which is so like the point that we want, why we want to vote, you know? <laughs> like you're just kind of fucking proved like our point. Um, so they, she did this girl... Uh, Cassie did find a, uh, a date of death for a woman named Susanna Britlin in 1932. So that's wow. probably her. We're going to pretend she was a suffragette because that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that'd be a good, that's good for the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's the story of Marianne Britlin, the first woman executed at Manchester Strangeways Prison. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> that was good. Uh, the this story of the suffragettes hiding from the census takers makes me think of when we were in, I, I think this was in Stockholm. They told us this story afterwards because I did, um, uh, I did the the story of the serial killer Thomas Quick, mm-hmm. um, who uh, it starts out in the beginning of it. It starts out he just he realizes he's gay when he's like fourteen, and at the time in uh, Sweden that was they considered that as as like a psychological issue. Um, And in the meet and greet afterwards, a woman told us that the way they changed that law in the 70s, that gay people started calling in gay to work. (laughs) And they just, they're like, oh, so you think this is a sickness? Well, then I can't come to work because I'm sick with gayness. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the fucking best? And they turned it around. I fucking, I was... That's, other, that's the other part of doing these live shows that's yeah. so frustrating is we know as we tell these yeah. stories there's people sitting in the audience going, I just want to tell you this one thing. I swear to God, it'll be she worth was my it. my great, great aunt. <laughs> um, okay. My story tonight um, is Trevor Hardy, the Beast of Manchester. Ooh. And it is bad. <laughs> um, and I'd never heard it before. And so Stephen, when we go on these trips, Stephen finds a bunch of ideas for us. So he'll he'll send us both because we can't know what the other person's doing is part of the fun of it. And part of that means is that we ask, we say, Stephen, can I do this murder? And if he says no, that means you know what the other person's doing. Yeah. So he has to give us, poor guy, has to give (laughs) us each a list of different murders. Yeah, like 
<laughs> he tries to do like eight maybe or whatever yeah. per, per place that we go to. So <laughs> we pay him. We pay him. <laughs> we, we do. We pay him handsomely. Um, uh, so on this one, um, this was on the list. And I think that I don't know this for a fact because I haven't talked to him, but I think the reason that he found this is because just last month, there's this incredible article that was written uh, for Real Crime, and it's uh, by a person named um, Abby Bentham. It's A-B-Y, so I'm pronouncing it Abby. It might be A-B, but... Um, and the article is called Manchester's Forgotten Monster. Mm. Um, and it was basically <clears throat> all about how this story never really made it to the press in the way it should have because the things that this man did were so incredibly atrocious and terrifying, um, and yet he just kind of got lost to history. I feel like if the press is like, we can't write about that, then it's really fucking bad. Cause... No, no, you know what it was? It, he, his crimes fell within the, the five-year range of the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh. So it's, it, she actually... Actually, or, or he, they, I should say, because I don't know who this person is, but they talk about it in the article. Um, that It's really interesting. They talk about um, the, the media's concept of the ideal victim, what, like, what they think the best thing is to write about. And it's a thing that we kind of deal with a lot, where it's like, um, what is the story... What, what's the story that's most interesting? How are we going to tell a story that's the most interesting? And, and so in the media, the ideal victim is either very young or very old. They're very innocent. They live this life. And that's why then you, when you have marginalized murder, but the murders of marginalized people, sex workers, um, you know, people that, that people can judge as they read the story and go, oh, well, then they were asking for it if that happened to mm -hmm. them, then the press won't report on it as much because it's not giving everybody that salacious, like, oh, my God, this horrible thing happened, mm -hmm. which is the, really one of the more fucked up things about the media and about true crime reporting that I think now that so many people are, get, are so interested in true crime and, and participating in it, I think it's the thing that it's going to change or hopefully... Uh, will be changing soon. Yeah. Um, so anyway. <laughs> because, you know... <laughs> head mic. Then I put my Eurovision head mic on and start Ted talking to all of you. <clears throat> I, I got all of that from the art, this article, so none of that... I mean, I know the, just the experience that you and I have yeah. had. Um, because there were people that were really met for a long time, like in the beginning, there were stories that we didn't do, and it's because they were so fraught, like the, uh, the, the, um, the grim sleeper in Los Angeles is a man who, in the, um, basically in South Central Los Angeles, which is predominantly African Americans, um, he killed women there for 25 fucking years. And not only did nobody talk about it, and not only was there no media reporting on it at all, but, the police, when these murders would happen, they, they had like a nickname for the victims where it was just like, it was basically, I can't remember what it was offhand, but it's just like, these people don't matter. I think, was it the less dead? No, that was some, that's something else. But I mean, it's just yeah. that there's, there's an old way, I think there's an old procedure within uh, the police and the media of this idea that when they're reporting about these people, these aren't human beings. And that, I think that's the thing that's changing. And that's what the thing that everyone's realizing is that kind of bias and judgment is what's keeping fucking serial killers free to roam mm -hmm. the planet because they're just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that all of these people have been murdered. <clears throat> so there will be a quiz later. <laughs> anyway, anyway. 
<laughs> Trevor Hardy. Okay, Trevor Hardy was born in Manchester, June 11th, 1945. By the time he's eight years old, he appears in court for stealing, uh, actually in front of a fucking judge, an wow. eight-year-old. Yeah. Think, of, think of the average eight-year-old that you know going to court to be like, uh, not guilty, Your Honor. <laughs> not guilty. Um, and that appearance in court didn't scare him straight because um, then he was arrested after committing a series of 20 burglaries and he um, uh, made the record at the age of 15 as being the youngest person ever to be sent to Strangeways Prison. Oh, yes. good for him. Isn't that precious? Yeah. And thus began... Like beat a bunch of inmates up and shit, too. Yeah, that's right. Just fucking kicking people in the shins. Um, threatening to steal people's bikes all over the prison. Uh, okay, so this begins his lifelong journey of crime. There, the other thing about this story is they didn't, because they didn't report on it, there's not that much information. There's nothing I would love more than to find out what the fuck was going on with this guy. I mean, he, he may have been one of those people that was bo like born a psychopath or at least a sociopath because uh, he just starts so early and it go, it's so bad so early. Um, so his first crime, it's in 1972, and he gets into a fight with his friend Stanley O'Brien. Um, they're at a pub having drinks. They get into a fight and he attacks Stanley with a pickaxe. What? <laughs> Do pubs have pickaxes laying around? <laughs> they're like, there's like an umbrella stand at the front door. <laughs> And then, of course, you can put your pickaxe right over there. They're not even, like, easy to carry around. They're... And it's also, like, maybe in the 1800s I could see a pickaxe stand, but this is 1970. I don't think they have those anymore. Unless it was, like, hung up on the wall for decoration, sure. okay. and then he's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, you really, really, you think that? And just rips down. The decoration? Yeah. Okay, it's that's... a pickaxe that was, like, on a wreath. Anyway. <laughs> So he fucking attacks his friend with a pickaxe in a pub. He's sentenced to five years for assault at uh, the Isle of Wight's Albany Jail. Um, the judge tells him when he sentences him that he's a menace to society. Mm. Um, he's like, dude, I know. I've been doing this since I ate. Can I remind you, a pickaxe at a pub. <laughs> a pickaxe. No shit. Um, so while he's in prison, he starts planning the murders of uh, both... Stanley, so he's like, Stan he thinks Stanley has double-crossed him. So he's like, I'm gonna kill Stanley, and I'm also gonna kill, so he had, um, like, they, they use the word girlfriend, I don't know, um, a girl, a 14-year-old named Beverly Driver. Oh, uh -huh. wait, how old is he again? Uh, he, in 1972, let's see, he's born 45. in 45, <laughs> and it's 1972, <laughs> so he is, and I quote, <laughs> 28. 28, I said. <laughs> 28. Did you guys get <laughs> Yeah, so he's going out with, or he likes a girl half his age, literally. Cute. Um, okay, so while he's in jail, Beverly has to write him a letter, <laughs> like on binder paper, that says basically, I found a boy my own age yeah, yeah. to date. I'm 14, you're yeah. a pedophile. Yeah. And my parents say I can't date a pedophile, so. <laughs> They're such assholes. <laughs> um, yeah. Black eyeliner. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, so she basically has to write him a Dear John letter in, in um, I was about to say in church. <laughs> you are going to hell <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, All better. So she writes him that letter 
And so basically he's furious. It's, it sounds like he's always furious. Right. So, um, so he starts planning the murders of Stanley and Beverly. And that's his thing when he gets out of prison. So he's, he's sentenced to five years. He's like, when I'm out of here, I'm going to go home. I'm going to fucking kill both of them. Well, luckily, two years later, he is released from prison. Ooh. And he later told the police that on his, the train ride home um, after his release, uh, he said, I sat on the train saying, O'Brien and Beverly, over and over Ooh, again. That's so what I did on the train over here today. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? Just rocking back and forth. I ate a sandwich, <laughs> and then I said it again. Um, well, so he, when he gets home, he, uh, his parents tell him that, oh, we're so sorry, your friend Stanley O'Brien has died. Shut up. Yes. <laughs> And he's fucking livid. Oh my of course. god! He's livid. You got what you wanted, dude. But that's not he wanted to do it. It was his. It was his idea. I wanted to do it. Um, okay, so he moves on to his plan to kill fourteen-year-old Beverly. And his plan is he's going to go over to his to Beverly's house and throw an axe through her window. I don't think it's going to work. It's not the most accurate way to do it. It's definitely medieval, it's but not, it's not... You know what I'm going to say. It's not it's, accurate. It's, <laughs> really? I was right. <laughs> Applause? Yes. Let them have it. <laughs> Let them have they it. They need this. I bet this is about to get really bad. It's going to be awful. Okay. We all enjoyed ourselves. Okay. That's nice. Uh, okay. So it's New Year's Eve, 1974, and uh, Trevor goes to Be Beverly's house to throw an ax toward her, um, but he can't find her. And while he's like walking around looking for her, he sees a girl get out of a car that he thinks is Beverly. Mm -hmm. But sadly, it is actually 15 year old mm -hmm. Leslie Stewart. He ambushes <gasps> Leslie, he stabs her in the throat. Oh. Then he takes her body to a clay pit in Newton Heath and he buries her in a shallow grave. Shit. But first he decapitates <gasps> her and throws her head in a lake. Oh, what a... So this isn't just like the spurned lover type of thing. No. This guy is super fucking nuts. Um, then he starts to worry after he does that, that, that her body might be discovered. So he keeps going back to the grave site and and basically desecrating the body, Ooh. thinking if he buries the different parts in different places, it'll get uh, less likely that she'll be identified. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's horrifying. Um, and he also, at one point, one of those trips going back, he steals her ring, and he gives it to his girlfriend. No. Yeah, cheap fucking bastard. <laughs> um, so because of the way he attacked um, Leslie, there, there's no, there was no evidence. It was just like all of a sudden she disappeared on New Year's Eve. So there was no proof of, um, of any of like crime or wrongdoing. Yeah. So her parents just had her listed as a missing person. Mm. And she remained that way for two full years with no one knowing what happened. Mm. And I'm sure back then, because it's 1974, the cops were like, she ran away. Yeah. She'll be back. It it's was New Year's thing. Eve. She went and partied. Um, okay. So then, a little over six months after Leslie's murder, 17-year-old Wanda Scala is walking home after finishing a night at work as a barmaid at the Lightbone Hotel. Uh, she's 400 yards away from home, which is sickening. And Trevor Hardy tries to mug her. He tries to steal her purse. Of course, she fucking fights back. She starts screaming. He sees that there's people that heard her scream. So she pull, he pulls her into, like, around the corner and starts hitting, like, attacking her with a brick, basically. Oh, no. And um, he, 
he re- he takes the purse like she falls of course she's hurt terribly takes her purse he starts to run away then he realizes she can identify him because she's mm. seen him so he goes back and he beats her <gasps> with a paving stone oh. he strangles her he and th- sorry this is really really fucking bad and this there's a thing we once said on this podcast w- because it's so awful and sensitive we said once leave the eyes and the boobies alone <laughs> but he does not fucking do that oh. and it's really horrible oh. um so, and this is also a weird thing because he basically, he's like a frenzy killer. So as he, he goes back and he starts attacking her, you know, he's strangling her um, and he bites off her nipples. Oh. And then he pulls out no. her Yeah, it's awful. He leaves her mutilated body partially buried at a construction site um, and he takes her bloody clothes, her purse, and her shoes as a trophy oh. and leaves. Um, there is in this article um they say that it, there's a a cop a retired cop who had to be there and the cop tells a story that when they got there they were all the cops were told that they had to search the construction site to try to find the eyes <gasps> they were buried in her abdomen what yeah <laughs> i wonder if anything like this has ever happened in this church <laughs> Just the worst fucking thing. Well, that's why I think all the bartenders just walked out. I know. Out, they're just, quit. They're just like, quit their and job. And then they went on strike. Yep. Um, yeah, no, this, is, this guy is the worst. Um, so two days later, he takes her shoes, goes back to the construction site, and leaves them there to fucking taunt the cops. What? Yeah. Um, so because he's a legit psychopath, he then, a couple days later, is drinking with his brother, Colin, and uh, he starts to brag to him that he's the one that killed Wanda and tells, tells his brother how oh he did it. Um, when they get home, he realizes Colin might tell on him. No. He's, he's one of these people I, that does shit and then thinks about it afterwards, which drives me crazy. <laughs> Um, so then he's like, afterwards he's like, oh, you can't fucking tell on me. And then he beats his brother until he is unconscious. What? To like, you know, put the fear of God in him not to fucking tell on him. Then well, why'd you tell him? Right. Because he's like drunk and bragging. You and should he, beat yourself up. If only. If only. So uh, his brother, the next day, even though he's scared of his clearly lunatic yeah. criminal brother, calls the cops anyway. Okay. So... Uh, call, uh, Trevor Hardy's arrested under suspicion of murder because um, the Manchester police are like, oh, oh, you think pickaxe boy? Uh, mur- okay, yeah, we're, we're with that. <laughs> that. That adds up. That makes sense. When they have him in custody, they test his saliva uh, against the saliva that was found on Wanda's body. It's a match. Then the, uh, the, with his d- dental records, they match the bite marks on her body to his dental records, but for some reason, no. that's not enough to hold him. How did I know that be- he wasn't gonna be held? Because, because I have two more pages of this fucking <laughs> shit left. It's always like this. Um, because also, no. uh, Trevor has a girlfriend named uh, Sheila Farrow. She's a divorcee who's 10 years older than him. No judgments. I'm 10 years older than everyone I know. Um, <laughs> and a divorcee. And a divorcee. <laughs> It's a, it's a fun life. Um, uh, she shows up at the police station and gives him an alibi. She's like, oh, he was with me. Oh, it's not honey. him. Um, yeah, Sheila, take a bow. Um, so, so this story is uh, published in several uh, newspapers. Okay, this is, this is gossip, basically. Okay. Because they, there's a, a dental, like, 
uh, expert or whatever that was kind of saying, yeah, no, I don't think that's true. But the story is that while he is in custody, the way he beat that dental record thing, and this is the creepiest, is that Sheila smuggled a file Mm-mm. into jail for him and he filed his teeth into points. Shut up. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that means keep going. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, that is that alone. But... I also think that's that kind of thing. It's, that's gossip. That basically reflects how scared people in Manchester yeah. were. There's a fucking lunatic, horrible, like, serial killer out on the loose. And once, you know, once they find out who it is, it's just like, okay, well, he's a monster. It's yeah. that idea that, like, it's so much easier to believe that werewolves kill people, you know, right. instead of that, no, monsters are actually human people that live next door to you. Okay. Um, that's, that's a fun thing to take home for tonight. <laughs> Um, eight months later, on March 5th, 1976, Trevor Hardy attacks 21-year-old Christian, uh, Christian Campbell. Uh, he accuses her of kissing his girlfriend, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he attacks her so viciously, he tries to strangle her to death. And at one point, she bites part of her own tongue off, like <gasps> fighting, fighting him and in the beating. But she actually gets away from him and escapes. So now, yes, it's awesome. And the cool thing is, she knows who he is. Yeah. So he has to go on the run. So he's on the lam, um, sleeping in abandoned houses. You know, he's basically tried to disappear himself. And he's gone back to burglary to keep himself alive because he doesn't have any money, mm-hmm. anywhere to stay. And, but unfortunately, uh, during one of these break-ins is when he kills his next victim. So 18-year-old Sharon Mosoff is on her way home after an office party, and she comes upon Trevor Hardy trying to break into the Marlboro Mill. And he s- sees her, realizes that uh, she's a witness, and he stabs her with a screwdriver. Oh. And then basically in that, the beginning of the killing, of course, goes into his fucking frenzy and does the same thing to her, strangles her with her own tights, bites off her nipples then he throws her body into the rochdale canal um afterwards again he becomes so paranoid afterwards that the dental the the bite marks will he'll be able to be identified by them mm-hmm. this canal is partially frozen and he jumps into <gasps> it to then desecrate her body even more but... she ends up having 64 slashes and stab wounds in the canal, yeah. this guy, he's a monster. Um, her body's discovered the next day. Uh, so she, he actually escapes um, catch, capture for six more weeks. Um, but meanwhile, the police have started surveilling Sheila Farrow. Um, so on, the, on April 23rd, eight, seven, 1976, <laughs> what church am I in? Um, <laughs> 1976, she goes to a house on Wellington Road in Stockport and they find Trevor Hardy there, and they arrest him. I know, fucking. Uh, So she basically ends up recanting the fucking alibi that she gave for him the night of Wanda's murder. Um, (laughs) Yeah, bitch. Um, And once he finds out that she's recanted and they basically have him, he writes a 40-page confession letter and details the murders of Wanda Scala, Sharon Mosa, and then, to the surprise of the police, Leslie Stewart. I bet he's a great writer. I bet it's just (laughs) well-written and well-thought-out and punctuated correctly. Really nice handwriting. in court, he tries to claim that he's mentally abnormal. Which uh, yeah, I, I don't dude. disagree. I don't disagree. 
but clearly he's it's not he's right. not mentally incapacitated he knew exactly what he was doing the whole time um so he wants to get manslaughter because he says he's mentally <laughs> incapacitated oh and that's what the judge did no <laughs> the no. judge giggled like a girl oh good i thought you might give him no 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 okay the, the judge manchester crown court giggled was like, like a girl immediately was like go fuck yourself uh -huh. forever um, of course, at one point, Trevor Hardy fires his own legal team, which is what every serial killer psychopath does because yep. they think they're smarter than everybody. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it, it doesn't matter because on May 2nd, 1978, Trevor Hardy is sentenced to life in Wakefield Prison for triple murder. Um, and yeah, it's good news. Uh, in 2008, he's asked to be released Wait, uh, he's still alive in 2008? No, yeah, in 2008, he was still alive. He had served 30 years. Oh, my God. And uh, that was, like, the, the uh, minimum sentence. What so did he, he look like? Did he look crazy? He, no, you know what he looked like? I can't think of... There's, like, a character actor that he definitely looks like, but he has, like, a little mustache. Okay. And he's kind of balding, but he has, like, a widow's peak. Is it greasy? A little bit, yeah. I think I've seen him. He kind of looks like a waiter that would creep you out. Yeah. Is it like he looks like Pee Wee Herman and a, as a waiter? No, because he's stockier than oh, that. Oh, okay. And uh, he, some, there was something mentioned in the article about how he was uh, uh, five foot six. <laughs> like he is, like that's attributing to, to what he was doing. Like he's all mad that he's five foot six. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't seem that short to me. But um, uh, yeah, so essentially he asks... Um, he's like, okay, I've done the 30 years. Isn't yeah. that plenty? Uh -huh. And they're like, no, fuck you forever. <laughs> um, his plea is rejected. And on September 23rd, 2012, he collapses in his cell. And two days later, mm. um, he dies in prison at the age of 67. Yeah. Yeah. Just a tiny bit more good news. Uh, no one visited him in prison for the for the last 15 years of his life. Wow. Uh, and the only person at his funeral was his estranged brother, Colin. Colin went to his funeral? Yeah. Oh, man. It's just one guy standing there like, I fucking hated this guy. <laughs> but mom would want me to be here. Right. And that's Trevor Hardy, the beast of Manchester, you guys. Oh, guys. Sorry. Awful. Awful. Wow. That was terrifying. Awful. Yeah. I know I'm just going to look at photos of him tonight before bed. That's what he's, I do. He's like the, it's the 70s. He's always wearing a blazer. Like, yeah. it's just that... He's just that kind of guy that you can see, like, in line at Starbucks. Like, one thing goes wrong, and, like, everyone's like, we got to get out of here. This is... Yeah. He's fucking going ballistic. They have a nickname for him, like, crazy... Yeah. Whatever. Exploding Trevor, something like that. <laughs> He's gonna fucking explode. All right, is it, should we do we a have hometown? Time for hometown. It's hometown time. <laughs> it finally got dark in here, and now know, we have to now. ask you to raise the lights <laughs> so we can re look into everybody's faces. Let's tell you the rules first. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll just do this very briefly. Um, so we like when people come up here and tell us their hometown murder. 
because um, everybody's got one. Um, but you have to remember, if you get picked, George is going to pick someone randomly. Um, you have to remember, um, you can be super drunk if you want, but you still have to be able to tell a story. Mm -hmm. That's key. So you can't repeat anything. You can't start whispering secrets. None of that shit will fly. You, you can only say this one time, this is crazy. You can say that <laughs> one time. You can't talk about how we're in a church. We did all that already the whole time. Um, let's see. We want it to be local. Those are the best. We love it if it's a, if it's a Manchester one or somewhere nearby. Somewhere around there. If you're from Arizona, fuck off. Um, uh, there was people from Arizona. They were like, like, that's always we my example thing. And there were people like, we came here from Arizona. We're like, sorry. Um, let's so, see. Oh, it has to have an ending. That's yeah. also just not for tonight, but if you ever tell a story in life. <laughs> You don't fucking start a story like, here's this horrible thing, and then this thing happened, and eh, yeah, that's all. Oh, okay. Don't do that. Oh, and if you get picked, everyone else is going to hate you, so make it snappy. Okay, those are the rules. Who has a hometown for us? Uh, Georgia has a system. Georgia I, has a system. It's me wanting to oh. cry and really... There's Vince. Uh, there's Vince. Here, here we, we go. go. Go to Vince. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi, what's your name? My name is Chloe. What is it? Chloe. Sorry? Hi. Hi. What's your name? I'm Chloe. What is it? Chloe. Chloe, everyone. Chloe, everybody. Oh. Where are you from? Um, I'm from St. Helens, which is halfway between Manchester and Liverpool. Is it they pretty know. sweet? Good times. What's it known for? Uh, rugby, glass, and being a bit thick. <laughs> <laughs> the whole town? Yeah, pretty Just much. the whole place? What was the first one? Rugby. Rugby, um, it's kind of like American football, but we just don't. Hoopy? That was, that's the best. Hoopy? What? Rugby. I can't hear when you... Yeah, it doesn't help. My accent will not help you at all. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll just pretend like I understood. Okay, thank you. Okay, <laughs> okay what's your hometown? Um, my hometown murder is the story of Helen McCourt, uh, the disappearance of Helen McCourt. It does have an ending, okay. right. which is kind of cool. Um, in February 1988, Helen was 22. She rings her mum saying, I'm coming home early for tea. I know Gets, what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wow. tea, tea is dinner in the north. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. I'm just really proud now. Okay. Um, she steps off the bus. She's got about 500 yards to walk to her home. She doesn't make it. Um, a witness hears a scream that's cut off, and Helen is never seen again. So the police start investigating, and they go to the pub that's like halfway between Helen's home and the bus stop, and they meet a guy called Ian Sims. Who is shifty as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very quickly the police are like, this is our guy. And half the town is like, he's definitely your guy too. <laughs> Not so thick after all, are they? Yeah. <laughs> it's gone downhill. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, very quickly they think he's the guy. They get a warrant, they investigate his house and his car. And in his car and house, they find blood. Um, what they do is they take a DNA from Helen's parents and using their magic science shit, 
realise that that blood most likely, definitely belongs to a child of theirs. And since Helen is an only child, uh. it's clearly Helen's blood. Yeah. So while they're still questioning Ian, um, somewhere along the canal in Earlham, I'm not too sure whereabouts that is, um, they find Helen's clothes covered in blood, um, fibres from Ian's dogs, um, a length of cable that also has bite marks in, which they trace back to Ian's dogs. So, oh no, yeah. that's poor Don. Yes, implicated in a crime. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, this is our guy. He's going to court. So at court, Ian's like, it's clearly not me. What's happened here is someone's broken to my house and stole my clothes and stole my car, which I moved the body in. It's definitely not me. Mm-hmm. Please don't convict me. And Jerry's like, it's probably fucking you, mate. You're convicted. <laughs> yes. Yes, they convict him. It's, it's one of the rare cases in the UK where people are convicted without a body, just purely on DNA evidence. Right. Um, so, as we say, Helen, Helen is sadly, her remains have never been found. So her mum, Marie, who is an absolute badass, um, she starts a campaign, a campaign for Helen's Law. Um, that's basically any convicted killer in the UK. Um, if you don't reveal the whereabouts of your victim, um, you're not getting parole, which... <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> yes! And that's a law now? It's, it's not a law just yet. Um, she started the campaign in 2015. We could do a lot more signatures online to get that in place. Yes! So, ah. Murderinos Unite! What's the website? Um, it's, it's on change.org, which is the government petition site. You probably all know what you've signed. <laughs> so many things on there. If you just Google Helen's Law, then the petition will come up. Um, Ian is still in jail. He's still pleading his, um, his innocence, and he's still a wanker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, and that's my hometown murder and the, stru- the district. Amazing, Chloe. Great job. Perfectly done. Chloe, Chloe. Like, that was perfect. We couldn't have... From now on, I'm not going to list the rules. I'm just going to go, can you just do it like Chloe did it, please? (laughs) It's just how you do it. I'm going to cry. I love that. See, this is why we fucking love you guys so much. And recently my friend was like, stop saying you're lucky. You're, it's not luck. And then I'm like, no, you don't understand. The yeah. people who fucking listen to this are the coolest people, the best people. And we're so lucky that we have the most incredible listeners. And you guys do shit like this. And we're fucking honored to be part of it. It's very, Thank you. yeah. These tours are so amazing for us because normally, you know, as I said before, like we just record this in a loft in an apartment in Los Angeles, and it's a, almost like having a private conversation. And then we find out there are people, I mean, all fucking around the world that want to come and watch us do this. And it's, it's such an honor, but also like an entire community has sprung up out of a true crime comedy podcast. It's total insanity. You guys did it all yourselves, and we get a ton of credit for it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, really. For everything. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Thank it's such you. an honor. Thank you, Manchester, for having us. <laughs> Thank you, Manchester. Say sexy. And don't get.